0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, And everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. And our last episode – yes, I am including this episode in this – but our last episode of our 90s celebration – We are going to be talking about the great Brendan Fraser. And I'm not saying he doesn't still work because he is still working. He's experiencing a little bit of a comeback. You know, and he's probably going to be nominated for an Academy Award and he may even win. So I know it's not that he's gone away. It's just he was so big in the 90s. So that's why I am including him in that. Uh, But this should be a ton of fun because uh, I don't think there's anything bad we can say about this man and if anyone does, I think we'd probably, know would lose every listener we have, so.
2: We will fight. We will be a literal yes fight.
0: (laughs) Tell me where you live. I just want to
1: talk. Yes, and Paula was supposed to be on, but unfortunately she couldn't come on, but I want to say you know, I won't give her business on here if she doesn't want me to, but the reason she's not here, well frankly, I'm a little jealous why she's not here, so So yeah, Uh, but we love you, Paula. Um, So Brendan Fraser was born on December 3rd, 1968, so he is a Sagittarius, which makes him even better than he already is. (laughs) (laughs) My panelists agree. He is known for such movies as The Mummy, Blast from the Past, School Ties, Doom Patrol, which he's in right now. Uh, the new movie, The Whale, which I haven't seen yet. I don't think it's even out yet. Encino Man, Furry Vengeance. <laughs> I don't know why that one. <laughs> uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. He was on Scrubs, which my panelists are nodding. Uh, Bedazzled, um, Dudley Do-Right, Gods and Monsters, George of the Jungle, and many, many more, and he's just an all-around sweetheart of a man, and I really, really love watching him, and I really, really enjoyed revisiting some of his films in preparation for this episode. But before we get into what roles made you a fan of Brendan, thoughts on him as an actor, your three favorite roles— I don't care if we steal each other's. We might all mention the three same ones. Who knows? We will see. I want to first know, (laughs) Carla, what is floating your boat right now in pop culture? All right. So
0: (laughs) floating my boat.
1: I don't know why. This week in
0: pop culture. (laughs) Oh, God, I love you. All right. I have needed a lot of comfort stuff and... You would think that I would turn to one of my my, my regulars, like Eurovision and Night at the Roxbury, my very long and, and notable um, uh, Bon Jovi discography. What I actually turned to was the 1973 rock opera, Jesus Christ Superstar
2: jesus christ yes i sing my dog's
0: name to that do you really well have more respect because jesus christ (laughs) superstar it's not about your dog meg
2: it works so well though
0: (laughs) oh my god but i i love it i've i've been watching it for you know a million years it still brings me a lot of comfort and a lot of happiness and I have been singing the soundtrack nonstop. My husband has been singing my sound the soundtrack nonstop. I was dog sitting for a friend, and I was singing it to the dog. And yeah, it's been my my my, my big thing this week.
1: Awesome. were you on the panel when I talked about that? I went backstage at a performance of Jesus Christ Superstar. That I saw in high school. No, Erin, I don't think I was. <laughs> I, it was an, an, and my uh, theater teacher, was my theater class, and she knew some people in the production, so we got to go backstage and, and meet them.
0: Did you meet know? Ted Neely? Did you meet, okay, did you meet no. Carl Anderson?
2: She's not telling no. you this. This was a middle school production. No, it was at the Denver Center for Performing <laughs> Arts.
0: <laughs> middle school. No, because if you had met them, then, then my heart would have stopped, because they're amazing. So, Yes. Oh my God. Okay, I'm I'm slightly less jealous. You now. should still be jealous.
1: Imagine an elementary school <laughs> production of Jesus. <laughs> it was actually our production, and I was backstage because I was part of it. So.
0: you were the curtain puller. No, I was. No,
1: I used I, to act
3: um,
0: <laughs> in in grade school for Easter because I went to a Catholic uh, a Catholic school. For Easter, they would use some of the music from Jesus Christ Superstar for it. So I, that was like my first exposure to it. And I remember.
2: It was a cool just like
0: church. <laughs> <it's> so cool. <laughs> I just, and I just remember like some parts of it. You just bring back memories. Like they, they would use the um, the Hosanna song and they would use like the, the crucifixion part. The music from the crucifixion. Yeah. Yeah. So I managed to mostly put that out of my mind. But now that, that we're talking about school and Jesus Christ Superstar, that's brought it all back. Thank you, everybody. You started it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So, Meg, what is floating your boat?
2: Aaron. Uh, anxiety mostly. Oh God. Um. No, I'm still ha- having a harder time watching stuff right now. The most of what I've been watching these days has been, um, H- Hallmark Christmas movies. While I'm wrapping Christmas presents, um, but I did manage to watch. The Harry and Meghan docu series. That looks like I'm like I have a finite amount of time that I could watch TV. I could do research for this podcast, but please, I've seen every Brendan Fraser movie ever made, pretty much. Or I could watch a docu series about people we as a country fought a war to not care about. So that's what I did.
1: <laughs> well, did you like it?
2: I did like it. I. I find the whole Harry, Meghan, and the royal family thing really, really frustrating because it's just a lot of it's just really gross. Um, It's brought out a lot of really dark and horrific sides to people, which I'm not a fan of. Um, But I also have been really enjoying the memes (laughs) that have come out of it. As far as like Diana snatching Prince William's looks back after he started acting like his father. (laughs) And I mean, that's it. I I didn't want to think about stuff. I'm sorry. I, I have you nothing, don't have
1: to apologize.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing. I was like, this looks like something I can play in the background. <laughs> and other than that, it's been Christmas movies and super uh, superstore, and that's that's all my life has been. Um.
1: <laughs> well, last night I got to watch the new George Clooney movie, Ticket to Paradise, which is on Peacock right now.
2: That was cute.
1: It was so cute, and it was really funny, and I really loved watching George Clooney and Julia Roberts together. And the scene where they're playing beer pong is one of the funniest scenes this year in a movie. It is absolutely hysterical. I was laughing so hard, and you could tell some of that laughter from Julia Roberts was not scripted. (laughs) I think that was her genuinely reacting to George Clooney.
2: (laughs) He's got such dad energy, too, now.
1: He does, but it was, it, I loved it. So I, I highly recommend that if you're looking for a good new romantic comedy, which we don't get many of those these days. Go check that one out on Peacock. Okay. So we're going to get into Brendan Fraser now. And I want to know first off. So, uh, so Meg, I am curious though. I want to ask you really quick before we get into the first one. You said you've seen every, every one of his films, right?
2: I feel I'm. I'm looking through his list, and there are very few that I haven't seen. I know there's some scary ones that I have not seen.
1: Did you see his very first? Does everyone know what his very? Did you see his very first film role? Child of Darkness, Child of Light. No, the other no. one, the Dog Fight. Dog
2: fight? No, I have
1: not seen. I own that movie. I love that movie so damn much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: from encino man on that's where i really
1: no i was i was just gonna be so excited if somebody else had watched that movie that has lily taylor in it and river phoenix and it's a horrible concept when you read what it's about <laughs> um but it's but it's one of my favorite romances and i absolutely adore it and i've seen him a million trillion times and i was gonna be very excited and i mean he's in there for like two seconds sorry, sorry <laughs> to let you
2: down <laughs> um, i'm very unique it's in okay. that i have had a huge crush on brendan fraser growing up not very many people yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: not even i mean my mom my mommy no rare. my, my no mom rare. even had a huge crush on him so carla what was the first role or film that made you a fan
0: it was definitely encino man i it just it was love at first sight it you know it's not a great movie I mean, it's a Pauly Shore movie, so you're not getting a lot of, of depth with that. But it's it's genuinely funny. I think he was just so great in it. And he's this big dude, very, like, just objectively handsome. But he's so goofy that he just completely won me over immediately. Like, how can you not love somebody who doesn't take himself seriously, even though he looks like that?
1: Yeah. Yes, that's the perfect way to sum him up in a great way. That's why I think people love him. But yes. Yeah. So Meg, was it Encino Man for you too? Or
2: it it was. Um, I was eight <laughs> when that movie came out. Now it's just like he he was just he was so cute, he was so doopy. And I think what's so interesting about brendan fraser especially his early career is he's in a lot of movies that are not necessarily good movies but he's always good in them like even if the movie's not very good you always enjoy you always enjoy him being a part of it but yeah i just i haven't seen, seen a man in a long time but i absolutely that's what caused me to be a fan of his he was just it was just i don't know link was just great
1: well, you know, it was for me his role as Sailor Number One and Dog Fighter.
2: <laughs> That's what he's That has big I've loved Jensen Ackles since the days of our lives energy right there.
0: <laughs> Which is also true for Aaron, so there you go.
2: Exactly. I was a Dark it's Angel true. fan. <laughs> My mom was 100% all my children, so there was no days of our lives happening. See, I watched
1: both. I watched both. So my mom I watched was all loyal. my children. I watched all my children' <laughs> days of our life, General Hospital, and One Life to Live. At no, one time, mom. it was all of them, and then yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah, but <laughs> that wasn't obviously what caught my attention. Um. No, it. You know what? I'm going to be a little bit different here because it's not that this was the first role I saw him in. It was just the first role, honestly. I know my panelists will probably be in shock here, but this was the first role that really, really, really made me like a huge fan. And that was his role in blast from the past. And just because he's so, he's so incredibly good. And I mean, everybody's good in that movie. I love that movie so, so much. Uh, But he's just so, so good in that. And he does have this way about him where he's so charming, but he's also so goofy and funny and silly. And I think that's what makes him, you know, so unique is the fact that he's this very, very handsome man. But it's not like he relies on his looks to make you like him as an actor or uh, that's not what he uses as his presence on screen. I guess it's the best way mm-hmm. to put it. But yeah, but yeah, I love him. And that that movie will definitely come up again. So I want to know then, Carla what are your overall thoughts on him as an actor and what sticks out to you about his performances and his presence on screen? I think what sticks out for me the most is that
0: he makes it seem so effortless. And it, 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 It's not like he turns in a lazy performance. I don't think that he ever really does that, but he just looks genuinely so comfortable in front of the camera. He looks like he is fully in whatever role he's in, whether it's, Airheads or of Gods and Monsters or Monkey, uh, what is it? Monkey Bone,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot
0: about that movie. <laughs> And listen, you know what? I actually didn't even watch that one for him, I watched it for Chris Catan because this was like right after, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that at the Roxbury.
1: why? Oh, yeah, the so dumb
0: <laughs> I know, like, okay, my tastes were fantastic back in the nows. But I, I just think that, that he can tackle the whole range of human emotion and he can adjust his performance to the genre and to the the material provided. He has great chemistry with like everybody on screen. And he really pulls you into the performance because, like I said, he makes it look so effortless. It looks like it's just a dude living his life in whatever he's doing. And it's just like a very, he has a very warm, welcoming presence. So it really feels like, like, like you could be friends with him, mm-hmm. you know, like you feel like you you could be friends with Rick O'Connell and you feel like, or Rick Connell, I forget.
2: I could um, never be friends with Rick O'Connell. I would never <laughs> be able to survive being next to him that long.
0: Because he's so hot, I know. <laughs> um, I don't think that he ever really seems like that unapproachable. And unlike a lot of celebrities who are that attractive and who are that charismatic, it never feels like, like as a person, he would be snobby about it or that he would be um, anything but warm and friendly as a, as a person. And that's also, you know, like you read things that people have said about him and it seems to be like, he's just a genuinely nice guy and that really comes across and that's why I think a lot of his performances just feel so real and so genuine because he's just a good guy who does the work and has this beautiful smile that's just, like, so sweet. You know, like, he has like, a, a very sweet smile, even when he's being, like, a, you know, a, a tough dude. Just, he, he smiles and you're
1: like, "Oh, you're a puppy. Yeah, it's true. And Meg...
2: Um, Yeah, I think we talked a bit about it. It's so easy for someone, it would be so easy for him to rely on being a very tall, handsome man um, and let that kind of carry him through his acting and his careers and, and career and stuff like that. And he does have movies that kind of emphasize his attractiveness. You got like George of the Jungle and stuff like that, which is a kid's movie, but still it's like he's naked half the time. Um. I mean, not really. Obviously, not full frontal, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not fully, but like enough that you're like, "Hey, (laughs)
2: like he's shirtless for a huge like, (laughs) thankfully shirtless." Gonna just objectify this man. Um, but he, I think Carla touched a lot of it. He seems to be, and obviously, we only know this from watching him and seeing his interviews and his movies and stuff. But he does genuinely seem to be very giving. wholesome is not the right word but welcoming warm presence in the movie season even when he's in movies that like i said movies may not be good but he generally is always good in them regardless of whether or not the movie itself is good um and i think he something that we don't we didn't really get to see as much is a little bit more of his serious um more intensity acting he does have some but so much of it like He was in very screwball comedies, which are always really, really fun. Then he was an action hero, which, I mean, who doesn't love The Mummy? I'm sorry. (laughs) They're amazing. But then he does like Dudley Do-Right and and kids movies and stuff like that. And he's goofy and silly. And he doesn't feel like his attractiveness is in any way off-putting or intimidating. He just genuinely seems like someone that you could... Sit and, and talk to as far as is who we see, but I don't. I've always loved Brendan Fraser. I, the thing I remember most, honestly, is that commercial where he says, "I'm Brendan Fraser," and he's like, "Fraser, not Fraser." <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the harshest he's ever been, and it was still this was like this adorable thing. He just genuinely seems like a real person who happens to act. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Totally. Yeah.
1: Daddy, I love him. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, you know, going back to that that effortless thing that you said, Carla, where it looks like that he's not acting. I think that is like the hardest thing for any performer to do Mm -hmm. to make it look like you are not acting. And I think, sadly, I think sometimes people think that that makes you not a good actor, which is bullshit. Because I think that's harder to do than say the Al Pacinos of the world. You know how I don't like oh a hundred percent. Yeah, but that that going for it and being like way over the top all the time. Well, it's easier I, to be a ham
0: too, than to just come across as a person living their lives on screen. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's what just saying. Um, it, it's too easy to be to do that over the top thing and rely on that and go. Um, go for the rafters and that kind of stuff, whereas being natural is a lot harder to do. And, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize, you know, when you're doing film, film picks up everything. The camera is going to pick up every little small little thing. So if you're too big, it's going to come off way big. So he gets those subtleties really well, and he gets that down really well. And he is so approachable in a way where you feel, like you said, like you could sit down, you could have coffee with him, you could talk to him. He uh, makes you care about the characters, and Mm -hmm. no matter what who the character is, because he cares about the character he's playing, and that comes through. And, you know, once again, this is an attractive man who doesn't rely on being attractive to be a star and he was, you know, I think sometimes classified as like a himbo and, you know, he played a lot of characters that were, you know, kind of goofy and silly and kind of, you know, dumb, like, you know, weren't, weren't the smartest people or whatever. Um, but, but there was always a caring and a kindness to that where it wasn't like he was making fun of those characters um, and the, uh, script wasn't making fun of it and the, the performance wasn't making fun of it. He still loved it. And so then you ended up loving the characters too. So you didn't feel like he was laughing at the character too, if if that makes sense. So um, yeah. And I, and he has, you know, and when he has played more dramatic roles and of course, none of us, as far as I know, have seen the whale yet. And I know that, you know, there's lots of mixed feelings about this movie Uh, But his performance pretty much universally has been praised. Uh, And so I know this is a much more dramatic, heavier role for him than ones he usually or at least used to get cast in. But he has done a lot of dramatic work, though. There has been stuff peppered in there, a lot of indie films, too, some, some indie films as well. Um, and when he does do that, he does that good too, well too, because he can play quiet as well and vulnerable as well. Uh, so he can pretty much run, run the gamut of emotions and he can be an action star and all of that. So that's pretty impressive. You know, once again, I think because he started in comedy. Pretty much, not that wasn't the only thing. I mean, School Ties is one of his first roles, and that is definitely not a comedy. Mm-hmm. S- but I think when you do comedy, I and mean, when you're so well at comedy, like we've said a million times on here before, comedy is one of the hardest things in the world to do. So if you can do that, you can pretty much do basically anything if you can do that well. So yeah.
2: Well, and I think a lot of it too is like Tom Hanks and stuff started in comedy, and he made that gradual shift to be considered a very, very. He still does comedy, but they're like more elevated comedies. And he made that shift to drama. And I think what happened with Brendan Fraser is he was starting to grow in that. Like you see the quiet American and stuff like that. He was starting to grow more into the quote unquote adult movies. And then everything that happened to him happened. And it kind of put a a big pause in his career. So I feel like we, we as an audience lost so much um, during that time. Also, I think it's really funny when people talk about Jack Nicholson and Al Pacino being these amazing actors when they've both been basically playing the same character since One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Scarface, just different shades. (laughs)
1: Yeah, although I think okay. Jack Nicholson is a fantastic actor, but, I'm not saying I'm but, not saying but, that. But, he's but no, not, but I know what you're but. saying. I know what you're saying, and I think that's the same for Tom Hanks too. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I mean, it's this. It's there are certain actors that are like that where you are not. They're comfort watching. You, you're not. You are. You always are aware. You're watching Tom mm-hmm. Hanks. You're always aware that you're watching that person um, on on screen, and then there are other actors where. You lose yourself and just are watching the character, you know. Right. So, and I, and I don't always think that's necessarily because of the actor. I think it's also because there are certain actors that get so big that people just kind of <laughs> associate the person more than the actor. So, anyway, but but not with Al Pacino. No, <laughs> I know most <laughs> people love Al Pacino, but so I has been playing know. Scarface since Scarface.
2: <laughs> like some shades big scar little scar
1: <laughs> okay well Carla and it's fine if we all choose the same ones here it's fine um, what are your three favorite roles from Brendan
0: okay well I'm of course gonna mention the mummy because that's the, the movie that I think that that might be his most recognizable role it's one of his most successful movies for sure and, you know, it's one fran- of a franchise that really didn't need to happen because the first one was perfectly good. They should have left it at that. But it's it, it, that movie has elements of all kinds of genres. It has, you know, it's it's part rom-com, part um, adventure, part horror movie. It, you know, it just it, it has a lot going on in it. And he really grounds it because he it, it's like, a more serious character, but it still has goofy elements because the movie has goofy elements. Not so much because Rick is a goofy dude. If anything, he takes himself pretty seriously. And um, he, he thinks he knows best, but ultimately Brendan Fraser's charm makes him likable and makes him not feel unbearable because I think like a lot of actors would have really weighed the role down And they would have taken it too seriously. I don't think that, as an actor, he took the role too seriously. The guy took himself... to The the character did. But he really um, wrote that fine line between those two extremes. And he was just great. That was, like, one of the hottest performances that he's ever had.
2: I love seeing that meme or the TikTok where he takes... (laughs) <laughs> her and puts her, locks her in her room, and walks away. Yes, and it's like every shred of feminism dying inside me right now. <laughs> right,
0: because it's yeah, it's just very, very hot, and the yes. whole cast is really hot. But he, he's just he's great, and he really makes a character who could be unlovable lovable. the The next one that I'll mention, and this is just you know, it, it's yet another comfort movie, a movie that that I watch when I feel you know sat in, when i when the movie came out cuz it came out in like 2000 i really felt like i was never going to find love like i was never going to meet anybody so along comes bedazzled and it's a movie about a guy who is lonely and who who really wants love and who is in love like with this woman that he's like barely interacted with but he's in love with the idea of her and then elizabeth hurley as the devil offers him seven wishes to you know, try to reach his ideal life, which is, which for him is to be with her. And the character starts out as like really obnoxious. He's like, I don't know if you remember um, Rob Schneider on SNL, like the the guy, the the copier, like that kind of obnoxiousness. But you know, as the, as the movie goes on, you realize that he's just like desperately trying to to win people over he's going about it completely the wrong way he is not just letting himself be himself he, he just is so focused on the idea of having friends that he doesn't look for people who have his same interests or anything like that he's, he's like trying to fit himself in to wherever he can and this is something that I remember an interview with him once where he said that he's really drawn to roles uh where the character feels like a fish out of water and you really get that feeling with with this character with Elliot in bedazzled. and <laughs> the absurd scenarios that take place in this movie are great, and you get some really huge comedic performances in this from him. Um, I think my favorite is uh well, one of my favorites is the 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 guy who's too sensitive who keeps looking at the sunset and weeping. <laughs> that is just one of my favorite things. In this movie, because he just, you know, it's so beautiful. And he's like, (laughs) and you you really feel his loneliness when he is back as himself, as just Elliot talking to the devil when he is uh, put in jail and he meets God. and He doesn't know that it's God, but, you know, you really get to to know him a little bit better as a as a character. So the, the way that the movie ends is really satisfying. Because you end up really rooting for this guy who used to be really obnoxious and who is now just somebody who has uh, learned more about himself and about how he should, you know, view and approach the world. It's just, I think, a great performance. And, you know, again, one of those movies that, objectively, not a great movie, but the performances are, are great. I think Elizabeth Hurley does a really good job in this, too. Plus, she is so hot in this, like, oh, my God.
1: She's
0: hot in it's, pretty much everything, and pretty much everything, yes. <laughs> she's early, like, she's, yeah. She's Elizabeth Hurley, like she's yeah. She's Elizabeth Hurley, but oh. Oh, just outfit change after outfit change, and all of them. Mwah. And the third role, and and this is like a pretty serious role in a big comedy in Scrubs when he plays Ben Sullivan. That 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 role has my heart because. he he appears as um, Dr. Cox's brother-in-law and oh no, there's something wrong with him. And so you go on this kind of mini adventure with Dr. Cox and Ben Sullivan and um, Dr. Cox is trying to deal with the fact that Ben is dying and oh my gosh, that's like one of the first... scrubs in general handles grief and dramatic moments really really well I think, Well, at least in the first batch of seasons but this this performance by Brendan Fraser really was heartbreaking and touching and just so beautiful it just like th- that whole episode um that whole episode where you know you end up at the at the funeral it, it just it breaks your heart and every time that that i've rewatched the series and it comes to that plot line i kind of dread it but i I look forward to it because i i I look forward to his acting and to the performance but i dread what i know is about to happen to the character it's just so good and he's he's just fantastic
1: and we'll be talking about scrubs next year by the way everyone in may we'll be talking about scrubs so yeah (laughs) Which, actually, I have only watched a few episodes of Scrubs, so that's something I'm going to be watching for the first time. Whoa, Carlos <laughs> face. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, Meg, <laughs> you're three.
2: Okay, so, I I have to talk about The Mummy. I I love The Mummy. I I, I even like the second one. <laughs> the third one's eh, not good. And the fourth one doesn't even exist. The new franchise, no. Um no, I just, I, he is dashing. He is sexy. There's a lot of like Errol Flynn flamboyancy to it. And he does take, I I don't think he takes himself super seriously. Um, he just wants to have a good time. He <laughs> gets like, hanged for it. He's just really hot. And Rachel Weisz <laughs> is so hot. Like everything about this movie is just fun, fantastic. I watched it recently um, and it still holds up. It's still a really, really, Good, fun action adventure fantasy movie. Um, so I just have to bring that up because I love Rick O'Connell and I like massive crush on I still have a massive crush on Brendan Brady. so let's be honest. Um, who doesn't <laughs> love him. but <laughs> this one is also a really weird one that I love. um love him in and I don't care. It's Mrs. Winterborne, despite Ricky Lake. <laughs> No, I love Ricky Lake in it, too. I'm just kidding. I look at Aaron's face. No, I I love Mrs. Winterborn. I own it. I had it on VHS DVD, and I'm pretty sure I own it digitally. <laughs> playing Bill and Hugh. He plays Hugh for like a minute, but playing Bill and dealing with his twin's death and his suspicion and trying to to figure out who the hell this this woman is and, and the complexity of falling in love with who he thinks is his brother's widow and also not trusting her and then falling in love with this baby. And then this one scene when he's like, they're walking down the street in Boston and he's talking about a memory with his little brother and his brother was pretending to be Paul Revere and he was a red coat. And it's like, my brother is coming, my brother. And it's like, it breaks your heart. And then later he tangos with Ricky the Peak. And it's so hot because Paco's there making him dance. And I just, I love it. I'm going to watch this movie now after we're done with this because I, is it a great movie? No, but Shirley MacLaine is fantastic in it. Brendan Fraser is fantastic in it. There, It's great. If you haven't seen it, you should. I love Bedazzled. Carlo really touched on that. And I really, really loved him so much in Blast in the Past. And I know Aaron's going to talk about that. So I don't want to like get too much into it, but His innocence, his fish out of water, like you said, and, and he plays, he plays surface level fun and goofy and right under it, extremely lonely really well. And I just, I haven't seen the whale yet. I'm looking forward to it, but I just, well, looking forward to it. I don't get to watch anything anymore. I think he does such a good job. I honestly like the Looney Tunes movie. I thought was just adorable and goofy. The bedazzled, like you said, with the basketball player, or <laughs> he was a basketball player.
0: You know, you hope you play good and you want to play good. And I think we played pretty good tonight. I, think we good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know. I, I really, I don't know. I love him. I don't want to get too much into it because I know that you're going to talk about Blast in the past. And I, and I absolutely love that. Crash, you would, no, I'm just kidding. I hated Crash. I thought that was a terrible <laughs> one. I still liked him in it, but I hated that movie um i remember loving the quiet american but i haven't seen it in so long that i don't i can't remember enough of it to really talk but i mostly want to talk about mrs (laughs) winterborne
1: and the mummy you guys (laughs) and and you can watch a lot of uh brendan fraser work on uh, hbo max right now including Mm -hmm. mrs winterborne so just to let you know so (laughs) carly you can watch that movie okay I, I watched it i was watching it yesterday so
2: <laughs> i love it i just i i, I love ricky lake <laughs> I,
1: I i was joking i love ricky
2: lake and the, her accent her accent is just... pretty annoying if i'm gonna be honest in that movie but i just i just thought it was a really cute romance he he doesn't have a ton of romances in his repertoire um that's so true. and i love romance that's like it's one of my favorite genres so uh, Mrs. Winterborne, I saw it in like I think it was ninety six when it came out, and I've like been in love with it
1: ever since. Uh, well, number one for me will always be Blast from the Past. I can I've watched this movie so many times, and I never ever ever get tired of this movie. And everyone in this is so great. I mean, mm-hmm. and the concept is so ridiculous, but it works. You know, I mean, you don't if you don't know what this movie is, it's his parents played by the great Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek. You know, so Christopher Walken builds this bomb shelter. They hide out there, which, you know, when you're watching it, Christopher Walken did save their life because a plane crashed into their house. So (laughs) he did save them. (laughs) And so they end up in this bomb shelter. They think there was like a, you know, atomic bomb, you know, dropped and all of that. And then uh, they emerge in the present day, which is, you know, in the the late 90s. And Brendan Fraser's character goes out because um, his father, played by Christopher Walken, has like a heart attack. So he's going out to get supplies and all of that stuff. And, you know, he's never seen anything else besides what he's been exposed to. And so he's... Thinks, and he thinks everybody has been, you know, survived like toxic gas and all of this stuff. And when he's first out there and he's looking up at the sky and he's like, look at it, look at it, it's the sky. And he's so excited to see it. And everybody's like, What are you what are you looking at? And like, well, he said it's the sky, it's the sky. And everybody's like <laughs> trying to see what he's seeing and just the little things and how he just is so happy for him. And when his dad told him to avoid the um the porno shots <laughs> because there was toxic.
2: Talk-
1: Toxic gas. And he goes by the adult bookstore and he's like, toxic gas, toxic gas. And he's freaking out. And when he gets on the bus and he's like, oh, boy, oh, boy, here we go. Oh, my gosh. he's sitting next to that guy and he's like, do you have a gun? And he's like, thanks we're not taking out. (laughs) When he's like, stop the bus. (laughs) Yeah. And just so many scenes. I mean, at the grocery store going, I don't know where I live. I don't know. Do you know where I live? I don't know. I don't remember where I live. And it's so sweet and earnest and just like precious. And, you know, and it is a love story because he meets Alicia Silverstone's character and they fall in love and everything. And it's got it's when swing music was big. So it's got the big scene where he does the swing dance, (laughs) which is so adorable, too and has all the ladies swooning. And I just I just love it and it's just a very uh heartfelt movie too. And I love the other people in it too, but but uh, but he does such such a great job at playing this character that really could have come off as really ridiculous, but he doesn't. And you really feel for him and you really fall in love with his character and with him in the movie. And he's so vulnerable in it. And I think, Meg, you mentioned the loneliness thing. I think with this character, you really get that big time because he just wants to find connection so badly. And when he does and he feels like it's not being reciprocated, you see Mm -hmm. that hurt there and that pain. And it just, oh, you just want to just hold him and hug him. And it's just, I, I love that movie so much. I never get tired of it. And then I'm going to mention this little, little indie film. It's not a good film, but I think he's really good in it because this is a kind of a different role for him. And it's this movie called The Air I Breathe. And so people play four emotional cornerstones and he plays Pleasure. Um, And he it's just he's kind of like a, um, you know, like he like works for this kind of mob boss kind of character. And he's like the higher hand, and he ends up falling in love with um, with uh, Sarah Michelle Geller's character who she plays Sorrow. And he's this very quiet character and not goofy at all. This is not a funny character at all. Kind of hardened by life. Like he can always see the future kind of thing. and he doesn't he messes one thing up and he gets beaten up, and he actually is very excited to get beaten up because he's never really had that happen to him before. And it's just a very different kind of role for him because it is so quiet and um, very, like, uh, stoic in a way. And um, it's one of those, you know, criminal with a heart of gold kind of <laughs> roles, honestly, but he's really sweet in it. And then and then for the third one, I actually was uh, debating between Mrs. Winterborn and um, and I'm gonna say school ties because I rewatched that yesterday. I haven't watched that in years. And I just am pointing that one out again because it's another role where he's where it's not comedic. So just pulling a couple of non-comedic roles. And, you know, he's he's really, really, really good in that movie. And it's interesting when you watch these movies from the nineties, there was such a different way things looked, like film looked. I don't know if everybody noticed that rewatching it. But there's like mm-hmm. this kind of glow um, because not everything was digital. And I don't know why it really stru- stuck out to me when I was watching School Ties. But I just love his performance in this because he's so torn about um, himself and struggling with whether or not he should let everybody know that he is Jewish because there's so much anti-Semitism in this film. And he's hearing it before people know that he is Jewish. And uh, Matt Damon's character is a complete and total scumbag. (laughs) I mean, really, a lot of characters in this are scumbags. But this kind of is like in the reign of like Dead Poet Society only in the fact of all of these Men coming together and having male friendships, and then there being some kind of strife there. But I think his performance is, is fantastic in it. And there's a lot of um, hidden um, anger and hurt and sorrow and loneliness again. I think there's also that loneliness to this character too. So yeah, he does that really well. He plays vulnerable really well too. And this character doesn't want to be vulnerable, but you see that underneath the surface. Um, that vulnerability there. So those are my three favorites. Um, but a lot of these I can mention as favorites too. <laughs> so I want to go over a little bit of his comeback and a little bit of, of what happened to Brendan Fraser here. So a uh, trigger warning for, for sexual assault. He also, had, there was also a lot of physical demands and stunts and maneuvers that, that hurt him a lot. Uh, he had to undergo several surgeries, um, including a partial knee replacement and vocal cord surgery and stuff. So a lot of things took a toll. Uh, But in 2018, Fraser did come forward and said that he had been sexually assaulted by Philip Burke, the then president of the Hollywood foreign press association, and which is the nonprofit organization that votes for the golden globe awards. And this was in 2003, Um, the alleged assault, his subsequent divorce and the death of his mother launched Fraser into a depression that combined with his health problems led to a pause in his career. And several publications and social media users interpreted that Fraser was blacklisted from Hollywood because of his allegations against Burke. Allegations, which of course Burke denies. Uh, so that was a little bit of, of things that happened to him. Um, in a 2000, 2018 GQ piece, where Fraser first publicly made the allegations, he said, the phone does stop ringing in your career and you start asking yourself why. There's many reasons, but was this incident one of them? I think it was. Um, And, you know, that happens sadly to a lot of people in Hollywood. Of course, we know a lot of people were blacklisted uh, because of um, Harvey Weinstein as well. And uh, Brendan has said, you know, he's probably going to be nominated for a Golden Globe. And he said he will not attend the Golden Globes because of this, which kudos to him. um, But which takes a lot because he is experiencing this resurgence. So I do want to talk about that, about thoughts on his quote unquote comeback and the way Hollywood treated him and sort of what that says, especially when, you know, because you don't hear a a lot of men come forward about this stuff. So Carla,
0: it makes me want to cry to think of, you know, for every Brendan Fraser who comes forward with their story of what's happened to them, especially when it comes to sexual assault, how many are, how many go unspoken, especially with men, because, you know, with the way that men are socialized, to keep everything on the inside to not express anything other than you know just macho-ness and like i'm over it, it's fine i don't care it it, it makes it that much harder to come forward and there's also the the stigma of like you know just like it is with women of like what did you do to make this thing happen to you there's also like you know oh a man touched you? Like, what did you do to make him think that you were gay? So there's a lot of homophobia wrapped up in it as well. And it it can't be easy to have to deal with something like that and to process it. And in the meantime, also lose the support of your mom and, and your, your marriage. And I think that we're all aware of the fact that in any in any industry, when we talk about disability and depression is disability, when you talk about disability and wanting to still wanting to be able to deal with it and being given the space and the grace and the time to deal with it, it's difficult, no matter what industry industry you work in. But with acting, which moves so fast, where trends move so fast, and where if you're not in the public eye constantly, you kind of fall off of people's radar when you're no matter how, how visible you are, or how famous you are, if you kind of drop out of people's radar, it's, it's hard to kind of. Then come back. And I'm not even talking about like, Oh, it's a comeback. You know, I'm just, just uh, having people take you seriously again, as an actor, all of that credibility that you built up all of that trust. It's difficult for, for, for casting people to take you to, to want to cast you and for directors to, you know, and, and all of that doesn't even take into account the, the fact that, that when there is a sexual assault involved, it's that much worse. Because particularly if you don't submit to your aggressor, whether or not they talk about your assault to other people, they can talk about you in other ways that are detrimental to your career. There is not enough done in the United States for people dealing with depression in general. And there's certainly not enough done for people in the U.S., who are whose livelihoods are affected, which also adds another layer to the depression, because now you're, you know, you're in a financial quandary, you know, like do I keep working even though I feel this way, even though I feel like I, I need to take some time for myself, do I push past and not ask for what I need, or do I take the, the, the time to take a step back? What does that mean for my career in the long run? And you know it thankfully he had had enough success that i think he could do that and still be comfortable but it did affect his career it did affect his um his ability to be cast not through his own fault but because systematically it, it's a huge failing on the us that people can't get sick people can't become ill without then experiencing repercussions that go beyond the illness itself. We're not allowed to to become ill in this country. We're not allowed to exhibit any sort of disability or or frailty or or anything without having to factor in what does this mean for for the way in which I provide for my family? What does this mean for um just it's 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 um it's bigger than Brendan Fraser. But it's important. He's an important part in coming forward and shining a light on what a on what a big deal it is to have to put your career on hold and to not be able to just come back in seamlessly and to not feel like you would be welcome back, which I think is a big factor too, because that that only adds to to that feeling of of um, of being exiled you know, because that that is what it is. It's it's being exiled, it's being pushed out of, and especially with with acting, I think acting is a, a calling. It's a, it's a passion, it's a passion career. You know, people often end up in accounting. People often end up in manufacturing, but an arts career is something that I think for the vast majority of actors is something that comes from their heart. And to be, and to have to um potentially put something that important to you on the back burner because you don't feel like because there is no support, not even you don't feel like there is no support for you that is being provided. And you're being kind of told by your industry, if you take a break, you're out there on your own. That's devastating. So I, I think that as far as this comeback goes, um, I think it's 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 important because Maybe it'll give people in creative careers the hope that they can take time for themselves with the, the precedent of somebody having to do that and to come back and be embraced and to be given opportunities again and not be treated like, um, like somebody like, like, like defective. You know, nobody is perfect, but people who deal with disability, and especially when it's a mental health issue, have a much harder battle in trying to make a a living. So I'm, I'm very happy for him that he is being received as warmly as he is, because everybody deserves to be treated well. But I think he's just such a good person also that... You know, and, and as a fan of his, like, I'm personally invested in his in his uh, well-being, so I'm, I'm very glad that he is being received as warmly as he is.
2: Meg? I think Brendan Fraser's story about uh, what happened to him is sadly a way too common story to what happens to people, uh, especially in that industry, as far as assaults and it's especially I feel like I feel like it was actually very brave of him to come forward and talk about it as a man because of a lot of what Carla had talked about as far as toxic masculinity and homophobia and and the backlash she kind of received from that was harsh I think I don't like the term "comeback" back um, for Brendan Fraser so much only because he didn't do anything wrong <laughs> it wasn't like it's frustrating so I hear like there's a lot of conversation about like Robert Downey Jr. having one of the best comebacks of all time because he had a really, really hard time. And then he, he rose from the ashes. Um, but Brendan Fraser was made, he was as much as we talk about how much we love the movie. He was hanged, like literally hanged um, on that movie and it almost killed him. He had all of these surgeries. He was injured so badly. He went through this horrible divorce that financially devastated him because he was so injured and depressed. He couldn't work to pay what was ordered of him because that was based on the height of his career at that point. And it just, it really, it breaks my heart for him because the reputation he had all throughout Hollywood was being a genuinely warm, caring, good guy And to see his career put on pause was just as a fan, it was heartbreaking. As a person, it's it's really I feel like I'm saying heartbreaking way too much, but it's so hard. And I think when he talks, he like talks about you know the phones that the phone stopped ringing, and he thought that what happened to him was a reason why, as far as that assault it doesn't surprise me at all. Like whether or not he was actually blackballed, we don't know. We weren't, we're not in the industry. So I can't really say anything about that, but for better or worse, I could see casting directors being like, well, that's a liability and and not just for him, but for anybody who comes forward about being mistreated, especially when people wield so much power um, within a very small industry. So I was really, really sad that I stopped seeing him in, movies as much because of his depression because of his injuries um and i'm really thrilled to see him getting this like carla said i mean carla put it (laughs) carla put it much better than i can right now I, i don't feel like i have a whole lot that i can actually add to what she what she said but i love seeing not just the film industry not just him getting parts not just him getting the recognition that i think he's deserved for a really really long time for being a very talented actor who didn't who lost out on a lot of opportunities because of things that were happening in his personal life um, unfairly but I love seeing his reaction to his fans loving him so much. I love seeing him be embraced by people who have admired him. And a lot of people are are my age who have admired him for pretty much their whole lives. And I think more than the film industry, I think that has to have some healing balm on the soul to know that you weren't forgotten to know that despite all of this hardship that you were going through, that there were people out there and parasocial or not, but that you touched people's lives to the point where years later, they still remember you. They still are invested in you. And I think that's something that like he, I saw that that TikTok video of him interviewing with one of his fans who was dressed up. Um, Like I cannot remember Rachel Weisz's character's, for some reason, in The Mummy, but she was dressed up like her, and just how genuinely surprised and heartened he was, heartened, to, he was to see this love of a fan, and to know that there were people out there that are rooting for him, and I I just I want nothing but the best for for, for him, honestly. I, I adore him, and I'm so happy to see that this resurgence in his career and that he's, that he's being able to get his life back on his terms. I think a lot of what he's been going through, I feel like, I mean, again, I don't know him. I am only speculating, but I think so much happened in such a short time for him that picking up the pieces was really hard. And I'm, glad to see how strong he's been so yeah like i said i i <laughs> i run out of words
1: <laughs> no that was that was really well well put but by both of you yeah um you know hollywood and not even just hollywood but that industry in in general for a long time and supposedly it's changing mm-hmm I, I don't know. I mean, I still don't think a lot of people get, <laughs> you know, they don't have any repercussions. Still, there are a lot of people yeah. that don't have to deal with the repercussions of their actions. But, um, you know, for a long time, what it is, is you just are supposed to not say anything and you just go yeah. along with it. And this is just part of the gig. And if you can't handle it, then you are thought of as difficult or not a team player. And when anything like this happens to you, um coming forward about it is a taboo you are not supposed to do that it's supposed to be handled very much under the radar and if you do come forward it and you forward with it and you can't handle this stuff then you're thought of as weak and um that's just bullshit but that's and the liability. way it is a lot and you'll s- <laughs> well yeah and and but that's just the way it's thought of. By a lot of people, is that you just can't play the game and you need to play the game. And it is a game. And Hollywood doesn't play by the same rules as other industries do, is what they kind of just like to say. And also, though, coming forward with any kind of sexual assault um, allegation or anything like this is very difficult because no matter when you come forward, you are treated like absolute garbage. I mean, you just look at recent allegations that came forward about about Nick Carter, and you look mm-hmm. at comments under those, and how people are like, "Well, if you why this person wait so long?" The same people would be commenting on something if they'd come out right after that. So it's like we instantly, you know, a lot of people, especially when um, it's people in um, in a public eye or in any kind of entertainment region. Um, area excuse me or field a lot of people feel like oh okay well I know them when you don't really so you feel like you can comment and say exactly what went on when you don't really know and it takes a lot of courage to come forward because you don't know what that's going to do to your career to um, especially when you're in the public eye in any kind of way and so it's so courageous especially you know as a male coming forward, there is still so a a different kind of stigma against that. And that takes a different kind of courage, I think, to come forward um, and talk about that. And to stick with your guns, really, for, you know, and say, I am not going to go hang out at a place, you know, even if they're going to award me for my work, I'm not going to go be there even though it might be good for my career because these people helped facilitate that abuse that I endured. Plus there's already so many issues with the HFPA anyway. So, you know, that takes a lot of courage, especially, you know, when you're older in Hollywood, you know, men, it's easier when they're older in Hollywood, honestly, than women. But when you're older in Hollywood, there is also, it's also harder that way. If you're not, you know, this stunningly attractive person who is in the best shape in the world, it's harder in Hollywood as well. And, you know, if you come forward about anything, you're dealing with any kind of physical limitations, you're also going to be thought of as a liability, sadly. So there's that stuff to it, too. And so... You know, and, and I do agree, Meg. I do think the word comeback is kind of a weird word anyway. But – but I and I don't like it for this either. Um, and I think only using it because that's the way a lot of people keep mm-hmm. classifying this. But he never really went away. That's the thing. Is it's not like he went away for a long time. It's just I think what it is is he is finally, like you said, getting the respect and the honor that he deserves. Like if you watch some of the film festivals that he's been at recently – with the whale and seeing people giving him a standing ovation when he comes out and watching his face watching that is will make you tear up and want to cry because it's very beautiful and I think you know we don't know him we can't speak for him but I have a feeling that that probably it was something he never thought he would get and that's the respect he probably never thought he would get from Hollywood and so to get that respect from his peers and from his colleagues and all that stuff it's got to feel absolutely incredible and the fact that he will i mean it would be shocking if he did not get an academy award nomination this year so that on top of it has got to be just the most amazing incredible feeling um, you know and and i and he deserves it so that's also makes it great is he's from everything we can tell from everything we've heard he is a great wonderful person so having this happen to a great, wonderful person who was extremely talented and deserved a lot more respect than he ever got makes it even more profound and even better and makes it easier to root for that success and to be excited for that success. So, yeah, so, I, so I'm just really glad that it is happening and, um, you know, maybe his fellow colleagues and stuff can decide not to go to the Golden Globes, too. Which would make also a big statement, too. So. It, w- it would be nice to see that kind of solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can all try and do that, people, in Hollywood. So, you know, you know, we can all kind of come together with that. So, you know, people didn't really I, – I don't even think people really wanted the Golden Globes to come back. So let's <laughs> – <laughs> let's let's do that. But it is time to play Six Degrees of Finn Rock. So – uh mag did you do I one i don't
2: have one i didn't have i didn't have time this time i can do a cheat
1: here i'll do a cheat
2: let's see okay so finn whitrock was in a mouthful of air with josh hamilton who was in with honors with brendan fraser and that was there my cheating go. i did no i did no research i didn't think about you it's, still did it 100 <laughs> oracle of bacon.org man
1: Oracle of Bacon.
2: Yeah. It's where you can find oh, six degrees Kevin of Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Oh but any gosh. two actors. And any Kevin two Bacon
1: actors. was in a Brendan Fraser movie, The Air I Breathe. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for Finn.
1: <laughs> I know, but I just had to add that in there. So uh Brendan was in school ties with Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck was in that snail propaganda movie, Deep Water, with Mr. Finn. <laughs> Remember, you can still get it's a snail thing in, <laughs> <laughs> in our Redbubble store. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, it is snail propaganda. Okay, well, thank you both so much. This has been so much fun. We will definitely have to cover some of Brendan's movies. Like I said, we will be talking about Scrub next – Scrub, Scrub, Scrubs next year. (laughs) Uh, But I do want to get to – this is dropping on December 16th. And so tomorrow is December 17th, which is the three-year anniversary of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yay! (laughs) Yay! which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Uh, Absolutely. I cannot believe it, honestly. And so I just want to quickly mention that and just quickly put out some huge thank yous and just talk about that for just a brief moment here um, about how incredible that is personally and also what that means to me. So thank you. If you're listening to this right now, a big thank you to everyone who listens to this. Uh, you know, it can feel at times like you are yelling into the void and, you know, so it can be hard sometimes to do this. It takes a lot of work, uh, a lot of time away from other things. Um, and so when, you know, people are listening and when they give you feedback, it means the world, even if you don't, but anyone who has listened to this podcast in the past three years, thank you so much. Even if you listen to one episode, To all my amazing panelists who have been on this podcast in the past, even if you were only on one episode, thank you so, so much. Um, Special shout out to my patrons, to Rebecca, Ellen, Tiff, Robin, Carly, Jackie, Mal, and Sasha. Thank you so much. Uh, Your support literally helps this podcast, you know, keep doing what it's doing. So thank you. Thank you to people that have sent me private DMs with feedback, private DMs talking about, you know, their opinions on what certain panelists have said. And I appreciate it. I think it's good to no, I'm talking about the good ones here. Meg's got this weird little look on her face. (laughs) To me, I like it because it means you are interacting with the content. And that means a lot to me. You know, to all my fellow podcasters out there, I know how hard this is, especially as an indie podcast. I know how hard it is to do this. So, hats off to you. To anyone who starts it, anyone who decides to do this, hats off to you because it is hard work. Um, And I know anyone can do it, but it's still hard work. Uh, So, I just wanted to just quickly say that to you and to anyone who I have been fortunate enough to interview. Thank you as well. That's interviewing people is one of my favorite things to do. So Brendan Fraser, if you want to be on the podcast, I would I would love interviewing you. Um, you know, you can reach out to us. At, it's a phantom thing pod at gmail.com. And I would love to talk with you um, about your work. So that would that would be a blast. But anyone out there, we are scheduling for the new year. So feel free to reach out to us if you would if you want to be a potential interview guest on the show. But just wanted to quickly say that. So thank you so much for helping to make my dream a reality and helping my dream continue on. And we will have new things in the new year, um, which I will be announcing on our next episode, our, our episode, special episode, Tag Twitter. I will announce what the changes are. Our patrons already know what the changes are, but I, and a lot of our panelists already know. But I will be announcing it for everybody um, coming up next on our Twitter episode. So thank you so much. So we're going to go ahead and close out and Carla and Meg can let us know where they can be found and most importantly, where their amazing podcast, Bed, Wetter Behead, can be found. So Carla?
0: Yes, I am very happy to tell you where you can find Meg, me, and our wonderful podcast, Bedwet or Behead. (laughs) You can find our podcast wherever fine artisanal podcasts are available to you and your face and your ears. You can look for me online on Instagram at Carlatemis. You can look for uh, my website, carlatemis.com. That's C A R L A T E M I S.com. Our podcast also has a website, it is Bedwet or Bedwet Behead Pod. Dot
1: com. Awesome. Thank you. And Meg.
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me on all of the things at Wisconsinac. Like all of them. I-, <laughs> I am one of the old people who have the same username over all platforms. It's really easy to find me. It's just Wisconsinac. The hardest part is spelling it. Which is W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. <laughs> <laughs> great at transitions these days, you guys.
1: <laughs> and this is Aaron. You can uh, still, for now, follow me on Twitter at E.AprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod on discord at it's a fandom thing pod i still i will always forget to do the numbers whatever you can find us i'm sure even without the numbers hopefully um so come join us doing a general chat nothing's in there yet but we're gonna have that up there uh you can also follow us on tiktok at um, it's a fandom thing pod and we are on hive but like i've said i have no idea how to use hive hive confuses the crap out of me but eventually I'll try and learn it, but we're on there at Fandom Thing Pod. Um, and if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest, please feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a FandomThingPod.com. Click the Contact Us button there, and that'll shoot us an email. And we will try and get back to you as soon as possible. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy time right now for me, So, but I will try and get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, and next week we are going to have a special episode talking about Twitter, So everything that's been going on with Twitter. Uh, So that will be Meg, Carla, Tiff, and potentially Tanya as well. I also, once again, you have until today, this is your last day the 16th, but if you have any feedback you'd like to give us about Twitter, if you have any special memories, if you want to even record something, we can put it on there. If you want to be anonymous, that's fine too. Just shoot us a DM and let us know. And um, yeah. And then we'll also be talking about christmas television so christmas television specials and episodes and all of that jazz so until next time remember it's a fandom thing black lives matter and stop asian hate
3: it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust